Well, she's the New York Times bestselling author, host of the award-winning For the Love podcast, a sought-after speaker, co-founder of Legacy Collective, the curator of Jen Hatmaker's book club. She starred on HGTV on a renovation show, Which Is My Dream. She's a mom to five and an Enneagram three. Welcome, Jen Hatmaker, to Canada, to my house. Yay! Yay! I'm so happy to be in Canada in your house. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. And you know what's amazing is that before I even knew that I was going to chat with you, my girlfriend on a girls' weekend said, Melinda, you've got to get this book by Jen Hatmaker, this one here, mm-hmm. uh, Fierce, Three and Full of Fire. Uh, Jen, I was struggling with sort of the inside matching the outside, and we'll yeah. get into that a little bit later, but I was sort of in this angst, and she said, get the book. So I went and got the book, and I read the back, and here's the thing. You say the world is hungry for women who show up and tell the truth, unafraid and free, expanding to the very edges of who they were always meant to be. She is fierce, free, and on fire. And my question to you right off the top is, do you really think so? Do you really believe that men, women, the church really want to hear from us kind of women? Are they ready for us? I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) You know, ready or not, here we come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think women have had to take a back seat for a really long time waiting for the world to be ready for us, mm-hmm. waiting to be invited into the rooms, at waiting for a seat at the table, waiting to be respected, waiting for our authority to count. Um, and it didn't get us very far very fast. And so I am of the persuasion at this point that this is my life to lead. This is your life to lead. And it's my responsibility to show up for it. Um, so I, I'm not waiting for permission. Right. I'm not waiting for an invitation. And this isn't in some big, sweeping, aggressive, confrontational way. But rather, it is me saying, this is my life and I am going to show up for it. Um, as I am meant to in, in every sort of way that I am powerful, that I am capable, that I am smart intelligent, able to live my life to its fullest capacity. And that's just really what I want for every woman. These are the women, these are my favorite women in the world. These are the women I believe the world's waiting for. And it's us. It's us. This is our work. And I'm so glad you're with us because, I mean, the show See Your Love is about these kinds of women. And a lot of my girlfriends are these kinds of women. And yet, so this is really encouraging to me. I'm going to learn a lot. And that's why I want to go through the five categories that you have in the book. And, and it's, it's by chapters, but I really want us to go through, if, if it's okay with you, Jen, so sure. the overview high level, because I think a ton of women are hungry for these affirmations and truths to really release them into you know, this fire and being fierce and free. I love, I love those three things. So yeah. the first category you talk about is who I am. Yeah. Um, I'm exactly enough, I'm wired this way, and I'm strong in my body. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me about that, because I think that's, that's powerful. Right. Oh, a million things to say. Um, <laughs> Do we have three hours? I no, mean, no, I wish. <laughs> I know. I sat deeply with my own internal work when I, when I began the, this project, the project of writing fierce and what I had learned and who had been my teachers and my mentors, what I had read and studied and experienced um, and found these real common through lines in terms of where for women so often the inside does not match the outside. But we have disintegrated in some way. Um, We are not living in our full integrity. Um, Something is packaged or it's propped up or it's polished. Um, 
And so for me, we had to start with who I am. And that's the first of the five sections of the book, who I am, because this is like the raw material of me, the raw material of you. So this is kind of before we get into, this is what I do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this is what I love. This is what I'm dreaming about. This is what I believe. So those all matter too, deeply. Those are integral to who we are. But there was some conversation that needed to have be first. Sometimes because I, I titled the book something so like aggressive, it's such an assertive title, fierce, free, and full of fire. I, just every F word I could think of. It's tempting to imagine that that sort of book is only for the very assertive women or the ones who are really outgoing or they all want to be um, a CEO or, you know, it kind of has this powerful connotation to it. But the truth is we're all wired really uniquely and specifically. And so I made a lot of room for every single woman, the quiet woman, the gentle woman, um, the woman who wants to live a simple life, um, the ones that are somewhere in the middle, the ones who are here I am world, hear me roar and everything in between because that matters. That matters. It matters that you and I feel the freedom to show up to our lives exactly how we are, how we thrive in the ways in which we flourish, because then that matters. That affects everything. That affects what we do. That affects what we believe. It affects our relationships. Um, it, it affects our, our dreams and our paths. And so um, that's where we begin, that you get absolute permission to, to be in your life, to be in your skin, in your body, the way that you were meant to be, the way that you have been crafted to thrive. Because that's really the you that we need. I don't, nobody needs me to be like my sister. We already have her. Um, I don't need you to be like your neighbor. We already have her. Yeah. No, we need you as you are. And so there's a lot of interior work. This is, this book will ask a lot of you. It's not, it requires a little heavy lifting. Oh, there is. <laughs> you'll have to do some work. You'll have to take a pretty hard look at your own interior wiring and say, what really makes me tick? What's yeah. my deal? Um, because so many of us were kind of forced into environments or relationships or packages that really don't never did match who we were, but we had to adjust the dial to fit expectations. And so for a lot of us getting back to that core identity is hard work. Yeah. Like we haven't done that in a really long time and it's high time we start. I think that's great because I think Jen for my whole life. So I was this petite Asian woman that had great leadership potential, communication, went for things, was pretty strong. And all my life I heard you're too much. Yeah. Don't know what to do with you. And so there are moments where I would shrink back. Totally. It was too much for people and to be accepted by people, especially men, especially yeah. in the Christian circle this was too much. And I just appreciate that we need to go back to who I am because this is me. This is how God created me to be and to be that and no apologies anymore. I think a lot oh, of women, what, what a wonderful gift to the world. I mean, yeah. thank goodness that you are not muting or editing yourself down to somebody else's expectation of you. That's a real loss. It's a real loss, not just for you, but for everybody in your world, for the work that you would be unable to put your hand to if mm -hmm. you followed somebody else's preset rules about yourself. And ironically, because this is not surprising, I was also told my whole life I was too much. I think you <laughs> and I probably have some similar wiring, yeah. but I have a lot of women in my community and, and their environments are telling them you're not enough. 
you're not enough. You're what you want is too ordinary. This you're too pedestrian. You're too simple. Um, you're not doing enough. You, you don't, your, your body's not enough. And so we're getting weird mixed messages all over the place. Um, and so we cannot wait for our external environment to give us a correct narrative. It's ours. It's mine to figure out for myself and then to live into it. Love that. So number one, who I am. Then your second category is what I need. And you talk about goodness, help, and more connection. These, these are big ones because you talked through about loneliness, uh, the goodness that we, we deserve and, and your situation where there wasn't goodness shown to you. Um, let's talk about that because I think that's a really powerful one about what I need in my own life. We're not, most of us were not taught this well. Um, we weren't taught as girls to confidently ask for the things that we need. We were actually rewarded for appearing to be pretty self-sufficient. Um, for not being needy. You know, that's a, t that's a term that was applied to girls a lot. And then of course, later women. Mm -hmm. um, and that it was somehow a sign of incompetency um, or deficiency mm -hmm. um, that we just could not literally do everything. Every single thing asked of us. And so I think that's messaging that we internalized young and it has really crippled us as adults, as adult women who are just, we're just human and we have limitations and we have the right to our own boundaries. Mm. Um, and so these chapters are tender for a lot of readers um, because they're, I sort of funneled into what I see as the three largest places that women have just a gaping need and don't know how to ask for help or don't know how to admit it or don't know what's on the other side of inviting people into that. So this idea that women deserve goodness is a monumental idea for so many people, um, especially if we didn't experience goodness, if we experienced harm, um, if we were told the opposite. And so this sense of you need to be treated with respect and with love and with dignity and you deserve goodness. Huge, fun, like earth shattering for, for some readers. Um, and then uh, I need help. Um, the truth is we're bad at asking for help because we're so good at doing everything. Do you know what I mean? Yes. If we weren't so good at doing everything, this might be easier. But because women in general are such high capacity creatures, um, and we have managed for so long to do the work of three people um, or, and like or my, four or five. My team, I'm like, yeah, you know, Kelly and Becca on my team, they can do like five, six, seven things really well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem is we're good at it. Um, but of course we know the flip side of that when we have literally spread ourselves too thin is just yeah. that immense sense of burnout. And then ultimately too, what it ends up, what it has created in my relationships that I've noticed is um, it's, it starts out small as this little seed of um, resentment that I'm mad that somebody cannot read my mind better, that they cannot look at me and realize I'm doing too, too much, that I'm overextended. But the truth is, if we tell people we can handle something, they have the right to believe us. So that is my responsibility, not somebody else's. It's mine. It's my responsibility to say, I am past my limits. These are the ways in which I'm going to need help or input, or these are things I'm going to have to offload. Um, again, this is all our work. This is not a book 
that put some clever tools and resources in your hand to manipulate everybody else to act better. Like if I, if I had figured that out, I'd already written that book. Right. Like I want, I wish I knew that. I wish I knew how to control everybody else to finally behave. Um, <laughs> nope. This is for you. This is for me. This is our interior work. It's our boundaries, to, boundaries to create and hold. It is our responsibility to expect and demand respect. I love that. So good. Third category, uh, what I want. I want this dream. I want to choose my yeses. That's a big one too, what I want. Not what others want or what others expect me to want or yeah. to tell me what I want, which I think for a lot of women that has happened. Totally. And then you get to the bare bones when you're like, what do I want? And I've had yeah. this like, what do I actually really want? What do I actually desire? Because I've heard from family of origin, from my husband, from my partner, from friends, this is what I want. But when I get down to it, I don't think I really want those things, which right, is kind of you're right. for some people. It's like, oh man. And then they have to kind of really just go all the way back to the basics. Oh yeah. This question stumps a lot of women. Yeah. Um, Cause it's been so long since we've asked it because women are handed um, a set of sanctioned wants pretty early. There are some things that we are allowed to want. Mm -hmm. um, we are allowed to want whatever our husband wants. We are allowed to want whatever our kids want. We have, there's some wants that, that we, we are rewarded for leaning into, but, um, women are in general discouraged from a lot of hunger. It's considered unladylike to be ambitious. It is considered way too aggressive to have big, like blazing, hungry dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I talk about this a lot. This one really like fires me up. I have to like always be like, Jen, calm down ratchet it down. Um, cause I'm, I'm so excited about the, the dreams and the vision and the possibilities that live inside the hearts of women. They're so good. They're so exciting. You know, there was this narrative out there that essentially said when women want too much, it's just going to be the demise of everything, the demise of marriage, the demise of family, the demise of the church. Um, what's going to happen to the fabric of society when these women come out blazing like this, but that's not really true at all. That's just a lie to keep us quiet. What I see when women actually lean into what they want is incredible goodness because what women actually want are good things. They want beautiful things. They want justice. Um, they want beauty. They want creativity. Women want their communities and their families to flourish. What women want is really probably the answer to everything that ails society. And so we got to lean into this because we are the answer to so many problems. Hey, it's Chris, friend of See, Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See, Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. That's amazing. And I think people need to, women need to hear that more. Like they are the answer to a lot of uh, the problems that we're having, whether it's systemic uh, racism and the need, poverty issues and all of these things. We are the answer to solving those, to ensuring that people are fed, that are heard, right? So that, I love that one too, Jen. I love that one. Me too. That's a good one. All right. Number four, what I believe Spiritual curiosity, I believe in the cause. Yeah. So women, you say this is important for us to become, you know, fierce, free and on fire in what I believe is very important. 
Well, I kind of came up through a pretty traditional conservative spiritual pipeline. Um, that was my childhood. That was my all my formative years, um, even my young adult years. And so I had a pretty myopic perspective of mm -hmm. who God was and what the Bible meant and wanted and what our role in culture was. And so it wasn't until I really hit my my middle adult years that I finally felt like I had permission to ask some hard questions, questions that I didn't even know people were asking, to be honest with you. Um, Cause I had always had just a very narrow worldview, including input. I only listened to people who already thought like I thought. Um, and so expanding that, beginning to listen to new teachers and diverse thinkers and people from different um, denominations and faith traditions uh, blew my mind absolutely blew the doors off what I thought I knew. And so the chapter that I love out of that section is I believe in spiritual curiosity. And that is now one of my highest spiritual values um, because God's pretty uh, sturdy. I don't feel like um, God's finally going to fall out of the sky on our watch because we ask too many hard questions. I don't think we're going to do it. I don't think we're the generation to do it. And so discovering that we can press really, really, really hard on some of the spiritual packaging and it'll still hold is mm -hmm. exciting. And so now I, I, that's the way I approach my own spiritual development uh, understanding and growth is curious. I like to hold my hands open like this. Like I have a lot of faith in who God is. I have very medium faith in how human people have always understood him. That is up for grabs. Yeah. That is up for discussion or conversation or examination. Um, so spiritual curiosity has actually returned my faith to me. It was the spiritual certainty that robbed me of mm -hmm. spiritual vibrance. That certainty. We've got it. We know it. We're the only ones who know it. We've got it exactly right. And defectors will be punished. Um, that zapped all the life force out of my faith. And so returning to it with curiosity, I feel like I got God back. That's amazing. I love that. And I think that's part of even my, my growing in my own faith, because I mean, I, I really loved, you know, growing up as a, in a missionary family and my learnings, but there were a lot of people that said, this is the way of the Lord and what God, you know, says and means. And I grew up with that. And then as I got older, I'm like, wait a second, that's your interpretation. That's actually, as I read and I meet with people who have different thoughts and you're right, denominations it expanded my understanding of, of God and, and then marrying a man who came from the mainline tradition yeah, and has brought in such richness into challenging me. Like, is that really what, what the Bible says? Wait a second. Is, is that the right context, Melinda? Like the, the historical context, the understanding of the people and Jesus. And so that has really been rich for me. And I think that's a good one for a lot of women to kind of like dig in and say, don't be afraid of it. I think it's important to be spiritually curious. Absolutely. I love to hear that. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Uh, if, if I wanted to tell your listener anything about that, just don't be afraid. It's, yeah. it is a good and glorious, wonderful um, practice to, to deeply examine our faith and our beliefs and our values. That does not mean that our faith is anemic. It means that our faith is strong. And so don't be shamed out of your questions. Um, and the good news is right now, there are so many beautiful, flourishing faith communities where curiosity is celebrated. It is out there. You can find it and you should. Awesome. All right, Jen, number five, how I connect with honesty. I love this. And without drama. Yeah. Yay. Is yeah. that possible? 
it's possible. It's just possible. I saved relationships kind of for last in the book because doing so much of that interior work ultimately factors in so much to how we are relating to the most important people in our lives. Um, what we were, are we able to be honest? Are we able to tell the truth about our own selves? Are we able to lay down the lesser tools of being passive aggressive, um, being controlling and manipulative, um, of being silent and moody? These things do not deliver to us the relationships we wished we had. For some reason, we are so afraid to be dead honest inside of our relationships, which require hard conversations sometimes. It includes things that sometimes we have to admit. Um, sometimes we have to face. Sometimes we have to own. This is my fault. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've done. Um, those pathways, we're so worried about that level of um, confrontation, if you will, that we would rather let a relationship just atrophy or implode or explode yeah. um, because we are unwilling to enter those relationships with truth and without drama. And so I just feel incredibly hopeful for what could happen inside our most precious relationships if we will do this work, if we will say, I am going to show up to this in the most honest, sincere, and genuine way that I can. I'm going to draw boundaries where they need to be drawn. Um, I'm going to have ownership and responsibility where I need to take it. Um, and I'm going to let truth do its work. Truth can absolutely redeem a relationship, even one that is broken beyond all belief. Um, if we've never applied it, if we've never applied truth telling and truth hearing, because listening to truth is hard too sometimes, uh, can, that can send us right off the edge is hearing something true because we're defensive and it's hard to admit. But if we can tell the truth and if we can hear the truth, any so much as possible in that relationship on the other side of that work. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Um, and so there's a lot of tools in those chapters. It's not just feelings. It's like, here's a way, here's a conversation starter. Here are some exact words you can say in response to this. Um, here's what a boundary would look like in this situation. Again, this book is jammed with actual tools. It's everything that really um, taught me over the course of about five years on how to lead an integrated life where there's only one version of me. I'm not changing the versions of Jen, depending on who I'm talking to, depending on what environment I'm in or what this group expects of me. I'm me. I'm always me. The liberation is overwhelming. That's a free way to live right there. That was the word I was thinking, Jen, when I was reading through this. It's like, Finally, women can be liberated from all the expectations that yeah. we lived under yes. or chosen to live under because we thought yes. we had to. I, I want to talk about that because I love those five categories, but the inside and outside matching, yeah. uh, that's big. I mean, in your book, you say it's exhausting, hiding, posing, and pretending. Yeah. And I get that. I mean, honestly, if I'm, I'm honest, I have lived in that, those places and it's sure. been, yeah, it's been exhausting. And the managing of like, I can say this to one person, but I can't say totally. this to another. Let's just expand on that because I think for a lot of, you know, young Christian women, Christian women in my place, I think that's one of a big struggle for us is ensuring that we are truly yeah. holistically the one person and not all the fragmented parts of me. Right. It's not sustainable. Um, no. Those pieces of us eventually start contradicting and conflicting 
And even if only we know it for a while, eventually everybody else will too. It's just not workable. It's not doable. There's just a high cost. I, I know, I know, I get the impulse. I really do because women are very gifted at reading a room and giving it what it wants. We have a, just such a high emotional intelligence and that's beautiful and can be used for great good. But one way that we've used it against our own selves is simply by what does this room want for me? I will give it to this room. And so then we take it upon ourselves to adjust the temperature. It's, if it's getting a little too cool for these people, we will warm the room up. If it's getting a little too warm, we will cool it down. And so we are doing this sort of balancing act of keeping the equal, equilibrium in the room, but we didn't even set the temperature. Like we didn't even get to be in charge of that decision. Right. And so I noticed in my life a handful of years ago that I was a hundred percent doing that, um, that I was in some conflicting communities. And so in order to keep my career intact, um, to keep my reputation intact, and also my belonging intact, I edited out pretty large portions of who I was for most of the rooms I was in because I knew that the cost to dissenting in this, 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 and this area was going to be belonging. That's what would be revoked. I would right. no longer get to be a part of it and I was too afraid to pay it. And so I only had one little back room over here where I was my honest self. And it was only with a handful of safe people. But I just got to this point where I decided for me, I was either going to be able to keep, hang on to my career as I knew it, as I had built it, or I was going to get to hang on to my integrity. But I did not get both. I had to pick. And I picked my integrity. And I decided to pay the cost. Um, of loss, of belonging, of change, um, of a little bit of turmoil, of some relational changes too, because the truth is it's going to cost one way or another. Yeah. Uh, it cost me to stay silent. That cost was high um, and internal. And so I will tell you, having made that decision and moved into a place of complete integration, it's the best thing that I have ever done in my life. My only regret is that I did not get there sooner. I thought that's what you would say. And most people would say that they, they wish that they looked back, they had done it sooner. Totally. Sooner they'd made the decision sooner. Yep. Wow. You know, Jen on that, you know, it hasn't been an easy couple of years for you. I understand the same thing about years of just heartache and hardship. How mm -hmm. have you kept going when you've had to deal with basically all this crap? Yeah. And just what you're talking about now. Uh, without like losing your faith in people and, and some of the systems and, and rooms you're in or God, yeah. how have yeah. you remained faithful? Because for a lot of my girlfriends, some of them have just been like, we're out. Mm -hmm. We don't want to have anything to do with either the church or the system yeah. or community. And it's been, it's been really deeply sad to see them go. But how have you remained kind of like faithful to the work that I believe God has called you to, to the relationships that you're in? And yeah just to the life that you're living now. I have so much love and compassion um, for the women who maybe forever, maybe not, but for right now have, have walked and said, I can't, I can't find something sincere enough inside this system to stay for. Um, I, my compassion is, is it's bottomless. Mm -hmm. um, I understand. I do. 
and I have a really high view of God's faithfulness to us. And so I believe that we can walk away from harmful people, practices, and places without ever for one millisecond sacrificing God's love for us. And that I also, I also believe in a very divine, heavenly compassion toward us. I think about God a lot. Like, what must it feel like to look down and watch how humans have systemized faith and this divine, like, holy, sacred mystery um, that we have just reduced it to such a template and used it as a hammer? It must just be devastating. I, I almost like I'd be like, oh, I get it. Walk away. I wouldn't have stayed either. Um, and so, compassion for those choices. I have also walked away from some things, even though I was a real darling over there. I I figured it out, man. I had the favor. I I yeah. it was working for me. Um, but again, career integrity. I couldn't keep going. I had to have integrity, and so. Um, I think it's funny. I'm 46 and every single year that I live a little longer and 2020 has, was a real heartbreak for me as it was for the world. It really was. If, if anything has been a comfort, it's that we all suffered a lot um, in 2020 and we, nobody was alone in their suffering, but I also lost a 26 year marriage shockingly unexpectedly. And I notice sifting through that rubble of just sorrow and loss. And we were like church people together. We were church planters together. We were in the systems that every year I go, I know a little less and I'm sure about a little less. I'm certain about a little less. Um, so my, my certainties have, they've boiled down to something I can hold in kind of like one hand and weirdly that's been enough for me still. I listen, I'm, I tried a little bit, but I can't still get away from Jesus. I just can't do it. Like I just can't do it. He's too dear to me and too real. And he has always operated outside all these systems that have broken my heart and people that have broken my heart. And so that guy, he's just tenacious, you know, he just hangs on. Um, just hangs on. I just can't shake him. We've had some hard talks and, um, I am able to remain faithful to Jesus. I am able to remain faithful to love to people and to curiosity and some of these kind of more mysterious, um, divine ideas. Those still feel really true to me and they Mm -hmm. still feel beautiful. And they don't feel like they are wrapped up in power and hierarchy, but they're available to me, to you, to anybody. And so those are the things that matter for me and that have lasted. Um, And some of the systems and structures I've walked away from, and they haven't harmed my faith at all. I think faith can operate way outside a lot of the places that we've organized it, right? It lives in the wilderness. It always did. You know, the takeaways, Jen, I have is that I think what's really great about your book and, and what we're talking about as we go through those categories is that, you know, for women, there's work to do. I think sometimes women feel like it's just going to kind of land in their lap and they're going to yep. get without doing anything. And what I really like, because I am a to-doer, I am an achiever, 
it was really good as you were writing. And like, you, these are some tools that you, you, you know, you can do, or you can have, you have to make choices, yep. right? And I think that is part of what, you know, why I do the work that I do here, you know, on the show is just helping women make good choices. Yeah. Like there are options all the time for you. There are. But we're trying to give you some really good tools and resources to help you on this journey uh, to, to make it a life that, you know, you enjoy, that you enjoy. That's right. Love that you enjoy with you know Jesus, and so I really love that, and I think that's that, that's really good. At my stage in age of life to say there's there's hard work to do. This is not yes. just something that's going to drop from the sky, or you're going to yep. take it in when you go to church, but it really is something that you have to choose to intentionality for your life, right? To be fierce, free, and full of fire. Which that's right. Know. Nobody is stuck. I know there's this sense. I am stuck. I'm frozen. I can't get out of this thing. I can't move past this moment. I can't, um, I don't have agency over my own choices or my own life, my relationships. And that's just not true. It's never been true. And it's not true today. Um, now some of our choices are hard. They're hard to make and they're going to require some hard work and some hard conversations and maybe monumental change. I don't know. Um, some of them aren't monumental. They're small changes, but they would make a huge impact on our lives if we would choose to make them. But we are not stuck. We have full agency over our lives and who we are and how we relate to people and what we believe and what we want and what we need. It's, it's, a, it's incredible. It's, and the, the life on the other side of that ownership is gorgeous. I mean, it is gorgeous. It is flourishing. That is where we thrive. That is where the people around us thrive. This is where, this is the kind of mom I want to be. It's the kind of what a leader I want to be, the friend and daughter and sister I want to be. That woman right there. Those are the women who have changed my life, who are living out of such freedom and joy and possibility and hope and goodness. Like th these are the women we need and these are the women we can be. Well, Jen, you are definitely one of those women. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I could chat with you for hours, but it just, you know, your, your book, your words, even just conversation has really encouraged me as a woman leader, as somebody who is, you know, at this stage and age of my life going, you know, where do I want to go next? What kind of, you know, stepmom and friend and leader and colleague uh, do an influencer do I want to be? And so thank you so much uh, for your time with me. So appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Thank, thank you for having me on. Loved it, so thanks again. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.